Parent traps. Connor's back. Hey guys. And we have a champion on tap. This episode of Get Carded. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Get Carded. Good to be here tonight. We got Connor back in the room with us. Welcome back, Connor. Yeah, it was kind of against my better judgment, but I'm here. Well, we're happy to happy to have your back. Happy to have your your uh, influential insight and uh, one-off comments. We've really missed some of it. Uh, what we haven't missed is the um, uh, the the competitiveness that you bring to the game. Although um, you know, you're, you're Probably a little rusty and probably. You should have saw the look on his face when he realized he wasn't a union worker and couldn't strike. And he had to come back to work. I'm still one for one in the game, so I'm I'm pretty confident heading into it. Well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes uh, this episode. We'll see how it goes this episode. So, um, interestingly enough, I just got back from a, a, a weekend vacation with my fiance and my parents. So Fun. we did a we did a little uh, weekend getaway. My mom, she uh, she shot me a note about a month or so ago and says, "Hey, we re- we really want a vacation with you." She came up with these all these destinations, and we're like, "How about somewhere like South f- Dakota, an hour or so away, rather than like being somewhere, you know, in a different state, a, a plane ride, right?" Um, we just decided to drive, which is an interesting endeavor too, because we were in a car for three hours on the way up north, uh, and and on the way back. So we went to a town that's near an interesting city called Embarrass, oh, yeah. Minnesota. We um, we we went to a, a kind of resorty area, golf and gambling, and some some decent food and some some hole in the wall bars. It was a it was a good time, and and I'm making it sound like it was more of a chore. It wasn't. It was actually a really good time, and I'm glad I got to spend some some quality time with the parents. But th- there's an interesting dynamic with parents. I, I I feel like no matter how close you are with them, your your patience with parents is is not the level of patience you have with everyone else. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, sure. you've you've had practice having children too, so yours should be elevated. Yeah, although true, for me it's always like, no, not my kids. They'll <laughs> they'll want to hang out more often. Because no, cool. I'm just saying like being patient with children. Oh, that's yeah. that, that that's true. But uh, yeah, parents do have to be patient with their children as well, and I'm sure, and and I know that that gets tested. But it seems like we just have shorter fuses with our moms and dads. Agreed? That's fair. That's a relationship that uh, would would take a lot to damage permanently. It's it's blood. It's there. And so, yeah, I think you kind of just take advantage of the fact that, you know, even if uh, even if you're going to have a dispute, it's like it has to be fine tomorrow because your parents aren't going anywhere. So I like your take there because what you're basically saying is you have – so much relationship capital built there that you can push the envelope almost to the extremes. And oftentimes they are with their parents, right? And even overboard. Uh, but you know that it's unconditional. So mm-hmm. you can practice being uh, uh, being not so nice at times. Sure. <laughs> well, I still live with my parents. So, no. Just, 
I I think it's the opposite, man. Like I've uh, Joe's never been married, oddly enough. Correct, oddly <laughs> enough, no, not married, no kids, right? I, I think that's probably a good thing for the kids. But uh, um, I I don't know, like my my folks, I I moved out when I was eighteen and or maybe nineteen, and I think each year from that, I think I've gotten to like be more friends. Like I wasn't the one that was like friends with like my parents growing up, like. I look at your relationship with your mom, B, right? And you guys were close. You guys were almost like a, a friend. Like, so I think as you, you might start to resent each other a little bit more. Not resent, but, you know, have a shorter fuses where I wasn't friends with my parents per se growing up. They were my parents. parents. Yeah. So they Whereas, were more like disciplinarian. Type. Yeah, yeah like, okay. absolutely. Whereas now, I, I think it's where we're, we're actually closer friends now than I was when I was like 15. Yeah, that's interesting. So you you have a dynamic with, as I was mentioning before the show, your dynamic with your parents is different than most I see because most of the uh, of uh, the folks that that I'm around when they talk to their parents, it's it's with a little bit of a shorter fuse. It's not as though they don't you know, love them unconditionally, or yep. um, or their relationship is is hurting because I don't feel like my relationship with my mom or or my dad is damaged in the least bit. But for whatever reason, you just have a little bit of a like you're old, <laughs> get get with it. Actually, there is something to be said for that though, because my 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 pops, he'll the the one of the challenges with the generation before us is they are not conditioned the way we are to social norms, mm-hmm. uh, especially as it relates to things like race, religion, politics. They're not as sensitive to other groups that the rest of us are, right? So so they're a little bit less restrictive with the words and the language that they use and it's funny yeah. but you but you also don't want them to like get in a situation where they're hurting themselves Correct. or or you know at the same time like put you in a precarious situation so you know I, it's kind of the same dynamic as you know when, when you're young and your dad's mowing the lawn with black socks on and you're like come on <laughs> like as, as you age i think we've all found out too it's like yeah you know you don't have time for uh, worrying about what your, uh, what your perception is as much, you know. I mean, so uh, that's is that it. is that a thing? Wearing different colored socks because just because you're mowing, or am I? No, am I he's talking about, you're talking about like uh, uh, pulled up socks, like crew so- black crew socks, which are coming back in, by the way. Mm-hmm. So no, it's they're not, not. As big as a deal. No, they're not. Really? No. <laughs> I feel like the, <laughs> the socks that go up just to the calves are they're all over. Okay, so yeah, compression socks. That's what they're called. Compression socks. <laughs> Compression I'm pretty socks. sure I see like 40 to 50 retired dudes in the bar with uh, compression socks now. So I guess it is coming back for that age range. Those are the diabetes socks. <laughs> Those are the, di- the diabetes <laughs> yeah. socks for sure. So it was, it was it was a great weekend. We had a, we had a great time, but I always just think it's interesting, the stuff that um, uh, gives you perspective on some of those long weekends. And it was a long weekend, not because of them, but just because – we played a lot of golf. We stayed up late, and I was exhausted um, com- coming back home. So, so we get back on Sunday night, and and uh, like I said, I'm just exhausted. And I lay down. I turn on the TV, and there's like nine channels of Olympics, which is awesome because it's like the perfect thing to watch if you're tired and you're about to go to sleep. I mean, even if you're into the Olympics, it's it's nice to have all those options. But it's one of those things where. It's not a rerun. It's entertaining. There's some some things to be thinking about. Um, I've seen my fair share of beach volleyball, sprinting. What else have I 
watching. Gymnastics. Have, yeah. you, have you not watched any of the Olympic golf? I've watched some of the Olympic golf. Actually, more of the women's Olympic golf than, than anything. I just love that it was prime time. You come home from work at five o'clock and it's, you know, early morning over there where they start their rounds and it's like you're watching live golf at five o'clock here versus having to be up at three in the morning to do it. True. The one of the challenges I feel like with the Olympics when it's on the other side of the planet is that the um the uh you get the news yeah. before you see the event. Like you mm-hmm. hear about what happened and you're like Social watch media. this at 10 30 yeah. yeah and that's you can watch it live if you want to but like think about like back in 1980 when like that hockey game was played and it was over before the entire country watched it on you know mm-hmm. delayed broadcast that's Nobody, wild very few people knew the outcome before right before they watched they it weren't tw- they weren't tweeting about it yep. <laughs> yeah. which is super weird because i feel like if i were back then if i could take my present self and myself in the past i'd be like why why isn't this on at a good time for us oh man 1980 would be very very frustrating for somebody like you (laughs) yeah it would it would be very frustrating so speaking of frustrating it's been it's been frustrating for a number of the gymnasts this year because Mm -hmm. of because of the biles incident and um just kind of how that whole dynamic has been handled now is she competing or isn't she competing and 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 kind of what's going on there it's an interesting dynamic the 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 mental game of of athletics right um i mean i just think about it personally and you can get out on the golf course once in a while and you're like what what side of the club am i supposed to swing with because you just lose it right so when you when you listen to her talk about having the the twisties you Mm -hmm. you kind of feel for like some people are just of the concern of the of the mindset of well you let your team down, but think of how much torque and and speed is 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 going into the stuff that you do. These are the things that I'm thinking about, and like you don't want to you don't want to potentially she's, injure yourself for the rest of your life. And she's changing her routine mid jump or mid vault, and mm-hmm. deciding to change her routine just because she's not confident with it. I don't want to see a half a tibia sticking out of someone's leg plus you got to think about she's decorated right like as an olympian she's super decorated so she's been in the olympics for a while now so she's getting to be on the older end of gymnasts whereas uh someone was trying to argue with me that uh younger gymnasts they they're more ballsy i guess you could say and they might not care about spinning in the air as much but as you get older and you kind of think about it you're like okay if i'd spin too much my head's going into the into the mat but i I think it's interesting though with simone biles right so we went from mental health injury to twisties which technically isn't a mental health issue right there's been a lot of talk about it that's a physical issue right so is it a mental health issue is it a physical issue where is that line drawn because the story came out everything she's like i'm physically fine mentally i'm not there where is the line drawn between not having a good day, you know, like from a mental health perspective and just being off and just feeling like, again, this golf club, I don't, I'm, my head is gone, right? I got the yips. Yeah. To exactly. where it's, where, because where she's having like a, a, a mental breakdown, which I'm not, again, I'm try, not trying to make light on the whole thing. I, I just get think it. that where is that line drawn to where she couldn't handle the pressure so she backed out versus a true mental health we've issue. seen tiger woods with the yips and the masters and go out there and still play yep. correct 
Well, yeah. it, it happens. I mean, it's it's a different story. I mean, he's not going to be catapulting himself through the air either, you know. And, and and in his case, I mean, I think one of the big things that was brought up here too is that, you know, she backed out. This is a this is a sport kind of like you know baseball or hockey or or football. You know, next man up, right? She has the ability to take herself out if she's not there. I mean, this is an all star team. This is this is the best gymnasts on the best team in the world for a long, long time. You've got other people that are there that can pick up these other these other events, or at least you and hope take it so. home. And so, yeah, I mean, the the argument that she was letting her team down, or that that you know, that you know, she wasn't there. I mean, you you don't train for years, and right. in this case, a whole extra year, and then get there and be like, huh, fooled you. I mean, but, in the last Olympics, she won. She she took her team to team gold. She won three individual golds. She was, you know, competing in Rio. She was standing there on the medal stand, red, white, and blue ribbon in her hair. You know, she. she you know what it is now? A, it's a goat symbol on the back of her leotard. I, mean, I don't know what the outfit is that they wear, but uniform. now uniform. She's got. She's she's pumping that she's the goat. She's she's doing a documentary leading up to the the Olympics. You know, in terms of how good she is and how, you know, I think so. Part of that is just making personal decisions, and I just think that there's. It's okay to talk about it, but if you look on social media right now, everybody that is at all being critical of her is being just shot down, right? Like, you can't. If somebody claims mental health, which, hey, trust me, I know more than anybody, too, but you got to be able to have the discussion. And I think when she she's a public figure, she makes a lot of money mm-hmm. doing what she's doing. She's worth about $10 million. you got to be able to be critique her without being you know, I think banished. It's the culture that we live in. So it's, it's, it's really difficult to, yeah. I mean, you have to be, you have to be articulate. You have to be intelligent if you want to make that argument. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's a good argument. You, you also, shouldn't just get uh, shot down for having you, the argument. You shouldn't, but you also, you should have some degree of having been somewhere like that before too. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of hypocritical perspectives too. I think, I think it can come down to, um, yeah. Uh, Go, going back to sometimes what we think about the previous generation, although we respect them a lot, it just seems like it. It seems like as you get older, you might lose a little bit more tact. Yeah. So, I think it happens. The, the, one of the other interesting aspects that's 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 happened here, and and I don't know if this plays into the mindset at all, but they're playing in front of no one instead of playing in front of sixty or seventy or eighty thousand people. And I can't imagine the difference that the prior Olympians have have had yeah. uh, in terms of pressure when you have that many people and the breadth and the air and the heaviness that comes with the cheers like that's on a that's on a whole different level I feel like are you saying that it would be hard ha- it would be much harder if there was everyone in these absolutely a thousand percent harder so I like taking the other side of that because I mean especially if you're in Tokyo and say you're a, a Japanese Olympian Think of like a, it's like a home game for them. It could be motivation and it could actually ease them, I feel like, if the fans are there and they're cheering you on. Uh, if, I'm not an Olympic swimmer, but I feel like if I was in the middle of a race and all I hear is people roaring as you're swimming down, I would. I feel like I'd start swimming a little faster, at least feeling like I was. It's 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 not a bad take, and, and I've played sports to the degree where when my when my parents are at a game or, or when it's a game where there's a, at least a few people there in high school and you can hear the, and you know, the cheers are happening. 
that you tune that stuff out. You don't really hear. Yeah, these are zoned athletes for sure. And these are and these athletes are on a whole nother yeah. playing field and playing at the biggest stage. But but don't get me wrong, they feel the pressure. I mean, I I can practice a speech in front of you know you guys, and then I get on a couple of weeks ago. I had to talk in front of a couple hundred people on a Zoom call. You you feel it. You definitely. You definitely feel it. So from 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 that perspective, I think it. I, you know, I think it would potentially be really cool to hear some hear from someone that's played on the biggest stage, right? Absolutely. Like 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 a, a stage that's unfathomable, where you not only have 60, 70, 80,000 people watching, but millions. I mean, and not just a few million, right? I don't know what the numbers are for the Super Bowl, but it's got to be. North of 10. It's, it's tens it's, of millions. Yeah, tens of millions. I wouldn't be surprised if it's around 100 million. I think million. it's, yeah, we'll fact check that, but it's, it, I, I think that one, because that gets I a I think it might audience. be hundreds of millions. Yeah, I think so. I, in fact, I want to say, like, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think it's like half a billion. So I'm glad that we have someone who can speak to not only uh, um, this from a com- competing on the highest stage perspective, but also uh, competing against yourself and, and dealing with some of the internal things that athletes deal with so brad i'm gonna let you you uh take this away with an interview with the ben utecht i am joined today by ben utecht ben has a uh, a long background to cover here but ben thank you very much for for joining us on get carded no problem thanks for having me you bet so uh, amongst your background i'm going to mention the uh the important things first uh, ben is a father of four He's a, a husband, a native of the great state of Minnesota, out of Hastings, and uh, he played football uh, for the University of Minnesota and uh, left in 2004, joining the Indianapolis Colts in the NFL and spent four years there and was fortunate enough to play on the biggest stage in the world, uh, competed in and won Super Bowl XLI over the Chicago Bears. And uh, since then, has had a, uh, a long career in music, in speaking, uh, being an entrepreneur, running, uh, running and being involved in the operations of several businesses. Uh, you got four albums out there. Um, but, uh, you know, since football, uh, for those of you who are not aware, Ben uh, suffered a series of concussions that uh, ultimately ended his football career. And that's really been the, the basis of the questions that we'd like to cover with you today for the interview. But, but uh, again, thanks for being here and uh, looking forward to, to having a quick talk here. Perfect. Um, to get started, uh, you know, if, if you don't mind, just take us back, you know, with, uh, with, the, uh, with the head injuries, what, uh, what, was your, uh, what was your overall experience, kind of what, what the materialized? Well, gosh, you know, concussions have have um have had such a uh, an effect on the game and you know growing up brad when we were playing you know it was just getting your bell rung as you remember you know and and so you know the that that has just kind of morphed over you know over the last 10 years especially into now probably the most serious injury that we that we deal with in sports because it's it's directly connected to what makes us human, which is, which is our brains, right? It's, it's what's allowing us to have this conversation right now. So, um, you know, as I got into college and started experiencing 
concussions, diagnosed concussions, and then into the NFL. Um, uh, each new concussion resulted in its, you know, in, in its own um, kind of individual and unique circumstances. And, and each of those new concussions, you know, started resulting in, in new symptoms and, and consequences that began to make the injury much more real and at times much more scary because, you know, when you start, um, when you start having symptoms um, and diagnoses like amnesia and, and memory loss where the, where the actual injury is, is uh, beginning to affect cognitive abilities. Now, all of a sudden, this is not just getting your bell rung. It's kind of changing, you know, who you are and challenging you um, at a, at a cognitive functioning level that, that you've never experienced before. Right. So then all of a sudden the, the injury just became, it was like, Oh my gosh, like this, this is not a joke. Um, and so that's kind of the progression of, you know, my understanding and it, my own personal experience with it until obviously it, um, the last couple of concussions I had really, really began to challenge, challenge me and, and it made it pretty clear that it was time to, to retire. It, you know, before, before the, uh, the concussions began, you know, did, did you have an approach to kind of physical and mental preparation uh, to be an athlete that included any sort of awareness or, or sort of preventative uh, measures, uh, maybe not just with head injuries, but just o overall? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think, um, I think there's been a new dawn of, of, um, a, a new dawn of, um, of kind of, uh, medical and psychological services that are now available to athletes that just weren't when I was, um, becoming a much more, um, you know, performing at a much higher level. Right. So, the idea of working with a sports psychologist in college wasn't even really a thing. Um, I know that, you know, towards the end of my college career there, it was just becoming a part of, you know, what um, an athlete could consider uh, taking part in, in order to grow as an athlete, but it wasn't, but mental health wasn't, uh, we never talked about it, you know, and, it, and, and it carries a stigma and it still carries a stigma today. Right. And so, I mean, just what, with what we're experiencing with Simone uh, Biles with the Olympics here um, in the last week, really making mental health a pretty um, spotlighted issue. It's, it's, it, you know, it's something that, that, um, you know, always carries a specific connotation with it. And so there was nothing really in place um, at the time you really had to go, and, and look for it if you wanted to, to do that. But, you know, we all prepared the same way, Brad. I mean, it was all always about, um, your pregame rituals and, you know, getting, you know, w w everybody has their own things, you know, um, the kind of music you listen to, you know, 
a preparation that you that you put yourself to in order to get you know to get um, to get yourself prepared for a three hour battle. But anything organized, anything you know, strategic, professional, no, none of those were were in place. And you know, with uh, yeah, tons have changed. I mean, that's with when you when you look at uh, at Simone Biles and, and some of the other folks who have you know in recent years started to be outspoken and it seems like it's coming to a bit of a crescendo here and, and people are listening the right way. What's your, what's your observation there? I, I, does it, how does it make you feel, you know, in terms of being such an outspoken advocate for mental health issues yourself, since your, you know, your playing days ended, what's the, what's the general feeling that you get when you see this uh, in terms of just how the world's reacting? Well, I definitely think that mental health is very important. Um, it's very important in and outside of sports, um, and it needs to be taken seriously because, you know, we are a product of our own human condition. And so, you know, we, we all perform, whether it's in life or, or business or sports, we all perform at our best when, when we are mentally healthy. And so I don't think you're going to find many people argue with that. Now, you know, the old school approach is going to be, well, suck it up, let's go. And then the very new, um, you know, much more emotionally sensitive approach is going to be, you know, that we have to, you know, we have to be very careful um, kind of with the fragile identity of, of our athletes. And so you really got to find the balance in there. Um, and so I think that that's what's, that's really important, right? So, and we've, we've been going through that as a nation with this, with, uh, with Simone this last week, you know, it's how many people are, I've, you know, I've been around conversations of, of the old school mentality, you know, um, you know, suck it up. She never should have walked out on her team. And then you have, you know, the other side of that, which is no, she absolutely should have, and, and she has to do what's best for herself. And so then you listen to her and, and she kind of brings a, a you know, a, a more balanced uh, approach and understanding to that. And that's really kind of what we have to do in this situation is e each person experiences their own, their own struggles and trials in a, in a very unique way. And, and that um, cannot be discounted. You know, my, my concussions were unique to me and, um, and that, you know, ma makes the injury difficult to, to sometimes handle because everybody's, it, 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 it presents itself um, uniquely to each individual. That's a good point. I mean, I, even with, with, unless you've been in those shoes and even if you have, like you said, your, your situation could be entirely different from somebody else's. But then again, you gotta, you know, it's like, then again, you got to be careful because, you know, to me, when I hear someone say mental health, there's a very, that, that's a, it's a, to me, it, it puts it on the level of a healthcare term, right? Where if somebody is, um, if somebody's lacking self-confidence, right, because they got disoriented on a couple of, you know, movements or a couple of plays and because of that fear um has entered their mind 
and that fear begins to deteriorate some of that self-confidence. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but that I don't know if that if that should be allowed to be a mental health issue, right? So it's like a distinction, yeah. It's yeah. There's a there's got to be some distinctions there, and it'd be really interesting to hear what a a clinical you know psychologist or a sports psychologist would would say about some of those things, um, because I, I'm sure you can argue anything that we anything sure. that affects our thought process or our identity could be considered mental health. I'm not sure, but I imagine in the coming years, we're going to start to hear some of those distinctions and sure. when, it, when it comes to sports. So, you know, on, on this topic, Ben, I mean, I, I think, uh, is there any, <laughs> this is sort of a, uh, you know, an imaginary question, but is there anything that you would, you would tell a 19 year old version of yourself, if you could, if you could sit down with that, Ben, uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of kind of the outlook and knowing where you've come from and, and maybe just knowing what goes on in sports medicine and in the approach now. Yeah, I definitely think that, and I've learned this too as a business leader, that you know, um, one area we really struggle with as leaders is vulnerability. Um, because vulnerability is opening yourself up to being emotionally wounded. And that's, that's scary for people. And uh, the reality of vulnerability is that um, it actually opens the door for the creation of more deep and meaningful relationships uh, because it allows for trust and for commitment to grow. And the more vulnerable we are, um, the more we be, the more we want to be around or the deeper we connect with those individuals. And, and so I would, I would definitely say that um, if I could go back and speak to my 19 year old self, um, it, it would be to just make sure that I'm, you know, I'm telling him to, to not be afraid to, to communicate, to not be afraid to, to be vulnerable about the emotions and feelings that you're going through and, and to reach out to the people that can handle them the best. Um, because having, you know, having communication with someone that can help you understand those feelings is really important. Um, especially as you're a, a young a young college kid who's being overwhelmed with all sorts of stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, gosh, those yeah, days would, were. Would nineteen-year-old you listen listen to that? Yeah, and that's the other thing. I I, I, <laughs> yeah. I I don't necessarily think in you know that that most would. I mean, you, you know, that's why experience is is the, the greatest teacher. You know, sure. so. Um, but I definitely think that that's important, and also I think fear is a big problem. I think fear controls a lot of people's lives. Um, and it did mine in, in some regards, you know, just fear of failure, you know, f um, fear of, and that really encompasses really so much fear of failing your coaches, fear, fear of failing your teammates, fear of failing your, your community, your hometown. I mean, there's, there's so much pressure that, that, um, that fear can create, even though it's just a game. And so, you know, being able to, to work through those emotional you know, those emotional um, truths, I think is really important and could be really beneficial to athletes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. So, you know, since, uh, since football ended, Ben, you've, uh, gosh, you've done everything from everything from, uh, you know, writing to, you know, music, you've got several albums that you've produced, you've, 
you uh you know you appear kind of all over the place uh but uh i think your most recent uh your most recent endeavors with uh with conquer ninja and with your uh with the wellness gym can you you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're up to these days and, and what a what a chief culture officer does. Sure. Um, well, the, the two business opportunities in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota, have been really exciting. One is opening a Conquer Ninja Gym franchise, which is basically a 4,000 square foot uh, ninja obstacle course. So if you've ever seen American Ninja Warrior, that is what our company provides. I mean, it's a it's an amazing, you know, um, you know, it's an amazing kind of America Ninja Warrior style gym. And it's amazing for kids ages five to 15. That's kind of our, our main demographic, but it's, you know, it's, it's um, memberships. It's, it's rec teams that compete against other Ninja teams because it's an international sport now. And it's birthday parties and field trips. Um, so it's a lot of fun. And the finish line wellness uh group is a is just a it's basically an integrated uh, healthcare facility that that allows you to do uh, fitness at a 4,000 square foot self-service fitness gym to experiencing health, uh, health and wellness services like chiropractic care massage acupuncture nutritional programming and the list goes on so we're excited to be there it's obviously a risky time and we're hoping for the best you know over the next uh six to 10 months. So we'll just have to kind of see, you know, what, you know, what, what happens when the business community comes back downtown, but it, it, it's great. And then a chief culture officer is kind of a new executive title that's, that's on the trend, which is, um, which is an individual that basically oversees the, the development and design and distribution of of the chosen culture of an organization, right? So it's, we talk about it all the time, this ethereal subjective idea of culture, but my job is to make it objective um, and to make it tangible, to make it something that you can practice. And, and then that will have a, an impact on the behaviors of your employees, right? So it's, it's setting the gold standard. We want, we want to improve the human condition at work and we want people to be really excited. That's what I experienced with Tony Dungy, you know, as a Hall of Fame Super Bowl championship coach in Indianapolis. And so I'm kind of taking that servant leadership approach that he taught me and, and bringing it into to the corporate industry. It's probably not a better example of that dynamic out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if you if you if you agree with with that, with his style of leadership, I think it's, I think it's, there's nothing more impactful. That's well, awesome. You know, on, on the businesses. And so for, uh, for our listeners in, in St. Paul and, and probably uh, Western Wisconsin, is that uh, open, uh, open memberships being accepted at, at both locations? Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're now open. Um, we're still filling our founders membership at Finish Line Wellness. And so that's up, uh, up to a hundred members. The first hundred members uh, are going to be $25 a month. It, it's an exceptional deal. And so, you know, please come and see us at the Treasure Island Center on the third floor. Um, it's, this, the space will blow you away. And then if you have, listen, if you're into CrossFit, fitness, cross training, if you have grandchildren or children and you want to give them an incredible experience, Conquer Ninja Gym is, is where it's at. Um, and um, 
annual memberships or monthly memberships um, are in the $69 to $79 a month range. And that's just for unlimited access. And um, it's a blast. Kids just love it. That's awesome. Aside from being fun, do you have some uh, some future hopefuls for some of the the uh, national and global competitions? <laughs> well, there, yeah, there, the, the, there was a national competition this last week um, out in Las Vegas, and there and there were a number of um, competitors that have come out of the Minnesota gyms. Cool. And so, yeah, it's it, you know people are starting to to push for Ninja to become an Olympic sport and. And Conquer Ninja Gyms is, um, it's a Minnesota company based out of Burnsville. And, and so, you know, they've, um, they've really got a good handle on the marketplace. And, and I think that, you know, as, as the sport grows, you know, this is going to be a great op- option for, you know, for any entrepreneur if they want to own their own business, because it's a very affordable franchise. That's awesome, Ben. I, I think, uh, you know, as we near the, uh, the end of our time here today, I know, uh, we talked uh, a lot about injuries and uh, and some of the stuff that uh, maybe had a you know a, a lasting impact, not in the way that you would prefer from uh, from football. But uh, as we kind of get set to close here, I know that football also gave you quite a bit too, and and you hold it in uh, in high reverence. But uh, you know, from your from your playing days, uh, do you uh, do you still have relationships that uh, that you hold and keep from from your playing days, both from uh, from college and pro? Yeah, it's, you know, you, you create some of the best relationships of your life and definitely keep in touch with, um, with players from every team that I've been on. Um, you know, Peyton is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, this, this Sunday, and so I'm supposed to be going out to, to Canton, Ohio for that, which is going to be really exciting to see, to see him along with Edrin James, who is another teammate of mine, um, is also being inducted. And so it's been, you know, what a, what a special, what a special um, opportunity to be on, you know, on a team like that at the right time. And so it's just, um, it's hard to put into words, but, it, but um, I'm blessed to have uh, been a part of it. That's awesome. And then, and last question, what's, what's next? Any, any big things on your horizon? I'm still trying, trying to figure to- out. <laughs> I'm just trying, trying to figure out how to be a dad of four daughters, Brad. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, well, I can't give you any, any help no. there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, being a father of one son uh, as my hands full, I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or let alone, let yeah. alone dad. Well, that, that's awesome, Ben. I, I, I can't thank you enough for the time and no problem. Uh, it's, it's tremendous insight and, uh, and, and certainly important topics. And, as we uh, continue to try to, you know, explore distinctions, I, I think it's it's wonderful to kind of have uh, some insight from you saying that there there should be one there, and there absolutely should. So this is great, and I uh, I can't thank you enough, and and wish you well this weekend. Uh, say hi to say hi to all your old teammates for us. All right, bud. Thank you so much. Man, what awesome awesome perspective that is to 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 hear from someone who's not only competed on the at the highest level but and but on the highest stage as well like that's that's uh that's incredible and then to to hear some of the ancillary things that he's had to uh, to to deal with and some of the opportunities that he's taken advantage of awesome interview uh, Brad thanks for that I'm, I'm I'm just thinking like can you imagine being on a stage 
that big at that level and then all of a sudden losing your confidence i know we've talked a, a bit already about the about the twisties or about the yips but imagine just simply not knowing up from down well you know it's it's make-believe it's hollywood but i think you know everybody's or most people have seen top gun when you know at the beginning of the movie and, and they're up there and, and cougar cougar you know gets locked into a missile or, or gets locked onto and he gets out of it but then he like he lost it he couldn't he's flying this plane and you know he yep. uh he, no he couldn't figure it out yeah so they they you know in true hollywood form they landed him and he he turned in his wings, which, you know, ended up being great for, for Tom Cruise's character because then he got to go to Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> but not to make light of it. I mean, I, that, that's a good portrayal of, like, you know, being in a very critical situation or a big pressure situation and... Losing it. And yeah. just having no idea. I mean, I've, I've done it before. Like, I'm, I'm driving and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, geez. You know, you're like driving down the road. Like, you know, you have to kind of get a grip or whatever. But, but I think we've all had moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, where we weren't operating at peak peak performance, mm-hmm. right, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Chan, let's let's do this and let, let's get out to let's get out to Ben's gym and let's get the you know maybe the four of us get out there and try to you know see who can uh, you know maybe can pull together an obstacle course yeah, for, for us sure. and see what we can do. That'd be I'd fun. totally be down. That's really cool. I, I went down to that Treasure Island Center uh, to go to the Pillbox uh, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago and, and walked by there. It's it was, it was hopping in there. That place is cool. I'd love to check it out. Yeah, sounds well, really cool. I, I, I had an opportunity to uh, to to look up Ben's uh, Ben's cards, his, his rookie on uh, uh, on eBay, um, 2004 Upper Deck SP. So if anyone out there is is uh, is looking for it, they're still available. All of his pictures in his football cards that that I've seen have him catching it like literally in in form, like like. Hands. arms out like textbook hand, like textbook catches yeah that's i mean that's all the pictures are is him catching footballs exactly he did How play football to be yeah exactly he did okay yeah. good yeah good yeah i didn't get that but thrown by you. a pretty good quarterback too yep what was that guy's name archie archie <laughs> archie he might right. know. well speaking of uh speaking of cards there's some there's uh there's a particular release that's exciting this week yeah uh two days ago Gold standard released 2021 gold standard. We're finally, finally starting to get into the new year of football. Yeah, and and seeing players in their own uh, jerseys, jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't sweet. seen the uh, gold standard cards yet. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I have a, a box or two this this weekend. Um, but it's weird because the offer sheet has all last year's rookies on it. Uh, I'm, I'm just really interested to see how. How the product actually looks. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be sweet. And so these are going to be, this is going to be the first round of the big rookies cards. So you're talking Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. You're talking Trey Lance. Uh, I think Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun seeing these things ripped. For sure. Hands down the best packaging too, right? Uh, oh, yeah. The gold product, bar. Right? The gold yeah. bar. <laughs> yeah. And, and I actually thought it was going to be like six or 700 bucks a a box, I think they're, I think they're coming out. Six forty, like, right? I thought it was like four fifty. Uh, I thought it was six forty. Oh, I'll, okay. I'll take a look. The price right. of gold has gone down. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, you might be right. So maybe it is uh, still a bit more spendy than than last year. I know last year they were coming out at. Um, I, I stand corrected. Four hundred. 
400. Okay. 385. Boom. Oh, I might get two now. Yeah. Joe's just up some. You got some in the trunk that you're waiting to unload or what? A bunch of 2020 rookies being flagged as rookies in 2021 is what I got. A bunch of air cards. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I I feel like it's about time for uh, uh, to, to to let Connor back in the back in competition. It's only going to take one win to tie Brandon. He has two wins, and Connor, you and Joey are tied at one win apiece. Jeez, I was gone for that long, and you guys can only pull off two and one. I was expecting a. Did we have a guest win? That, that was the max. Oh no, we even had one on one games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's wild. Brandon and Joey both tied with eleven overall points. Connor with two, but. A victory out of it it's good yeah all right so we'll we'll dive into uh we'll dive into this week's here so uh this week's uh got no special theme <clears throat> like the uh, olympic round that we've done but uh joey you're going first in round one brandon you will go second in round one and connor you're third and we'll get started so question number one round one when the spirit of st louis touched down at Le Bourget Field in Paris, some 30 hours after departure, Charles Lindbergh cemented his place in history becoming the first person to fly nonstop over the Atlantic Ocean in what year? 1906. 1906. Brandon. I just feel like whenever Joe goes first, he's about 30 years off. Um... But I might be wrong. Are you going to go over or are you going to try to nail the year? Oh, that's right. It's just over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely over. Over. Oh, so that leaves me with having to go for the year, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Or taking the under for a point. It's definitely not under. But I think it is. It's definitely going to be over, Joey's. But I'm going to guess 1917. 19, that's like 17. the Wright Brothers. I think Wright Brothers were probably 11 or 12, so I'm thinking it's probably closer to 30, but we'll see. We had planes in World War One, And the, the answer is say, yeah. 1927. So Brandon wins two points with the over. I was going off of the World War One reference, too. I figured there was a yeah, flight that had yeah. already taken place I knew at that, that we point. had planes and biplanes in World War One. So yeah, I biplanes. Was... They were flying like across cornfields, not continents. Shut right. your mouth. All right, fair enough. <laughs> All right, round two. Brandon, you are first. All right, in what would become an iconic global franchise, brothers Richard and Maurice McDonald opened McDonald's Barbecue Restaurant in San Bernardino, California, offering barbecue ribs, pork sandwiches, and, of course, hamburgers. The McRibs. In what year? Uh, do you know what business of theirs failed out east before... No, but I'm McDonald's sure barbecue. I'm sure it was in that uh, in that documentary. Yeah, it was. It was in that documentary. I'm going to say the year um, is going to be uh, 1952. 1952, Connor. I'm going to go just over. Okay. I wanted to say 57, but I'm going to take the over to be safe. Okay. And Joey, are you going to go with the under, or are you going to try to nail the year? I'm going to have to go under just because I won't nail the year. And for two points, Joey what up? snags the victory. The year was oh, 1940. Rusty. Yeah. Every time Brandon goes second, he's like 20 years off. <laughs> I think it was 15. only 12. So Still. Brandon has two. Joey has two. All right. I got to nail this last one <clears throat> to have a chance, huh? 
And we go round three. Connor, you are first. So two scientists, James Watson and Francis Crick. Yeah, I'm not getting this one. Of Cambridge <laughs> University announced that they had discovered the fundamental behavior and double helix structure of DNA in what year? Jesus. I'm going to say that's got to be early 1900s, I would believe. I'm going to go 19... 19- 24. 1924. Joey. I'm going over. Under. Under. Brandon with the under. And Joey snags the victory. Gross. With the over. The year was 1953. I was going to say. Wow. Wow. I thought it. Wow. Genetic sequencing. I feel like that's been around for. So with four points, Joey. What's up? Good job, Joey. What up? Brandon. Disgusting. That means you've got some work to do next week, Connor. Mm. I'll be back. Mm. All right. Well, as always, a competitive, um, a competitive game. What a great show it was. What a great show today. Great uh, conversation. Nice job too on the interview, Brad. No, and for thank, sure. thanks again to Ben for for joining us. Everyone, check out uh, Ben Jim over at Ninja Conquer. Until next time, we'll see you on the other side. Show me up. Yeah.